within me. Rejoice in this salvation that Christ lives in me. Indeed, you have referred to it as a mystery. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We thank you this evening for that salvation through faith in him that gives us new life, and it is the life of Christ in us. And Father, even as this hymn that we've sung expresses, it is then our desire to truly Allow that life, his life, to live through us, that he would be our example, that we would indeed live as he would live. We would think as he would think, that we would just desire to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to, to be holy as he is holy. I pray that that would be set before us 
that we'd keep our eyes on that goal, that we'd keep our eyes on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you this evening for our time together, for the opportunity to, to come and bring our requests before you, recognizing that you know our needs before we ask, but you delight in our asking. And indeed, it expresses our faith in you to ask, it expresses our faith in you to to know that you are omnipotent and you can do all things, where with you nothing is impossible. If you can answer our request, but Father, we seek your will and your will alone, because we know that that is indeed what's best. And so as we bring our request to you this evening, we do so in the name of Christ, and we do so seeking your will. We pray, Father, for our teens tonight as they have met together as well, as they are in the midst of their Bible study we pray, Father, that you would use that in their lives and for the, the kids for truth as well tonight. Help them as they would open your word together. I pray, Father, for any unsaved that don't know Christ as their Savior, that even tonight they would recognize that need, that your believers, your children would grow in, in their knowledge of you, that they would grow in their desire to love and serve you. Again, Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for the way you've blessed over the years. We continue to ask for your blessing. We pray, Father, that we would seek your will alone as we would seek to follow the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's continue in prayer tonight. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just give thanks to you, Lord. We thank you for today. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for those that are able to come out tonight, Lord. Uh, thank you for the, those that have the help to, to be here. And of course, Lord, we think of those that maybe are shut-ins or maybe they're in the hospital, maybe they're not feeling well, Lord, we ask you to touch them in your special way, Lord. We just know that because of what your son has done for us, Lord, no matter what condition we are in, that you are with us. Again, Lord, our salvation uh, is a gift through the faith that in the grace, it's a free gift, Lord. It's not something that we have earned not anything we deserve, but Lord, what a blessing it is to know you. We thank you, Lord. We know that we can come before you with our needs, with our struggles, with our sins. We repent of those sins before you, Lord. We know the moment of our salvation, that our eternity is completed. We are with you. That hope that you speak of, Lord, is the eternal hope. It's not a hope that I wake up tomorrow or a hope that I can buy that new car next week or pay my bills this week. The hope that we're speaking of, that you speak of, Lord, is the eternal hope. And what a blessing. Let us think upon that, Lord, what Christ has done, what you have already done for us. We can wake up each day and face those fears that you take away as we look to you. We thank you, Lord, for mentorship, for fellowship, 
for leaders, the leaders within this church, the prayer warriors, the teachers, the friends, just the fellowship, Lord, that we have amongst each other. And Lord, as you have commanded to us, that we are to take that out into the world. We're to let our light shine around others. We can smile. We can open the door for someone. Just give someone that thank you. God bless you. May you have a wonderful day. I'll keep you in prayer. Simple words spoken, Lord, can mean so much to those in the world that are hurting. For it means a lot to us who are Christians. When we say that to each other, we build each other up. We uh, comfort each other as you would want us to do, Lord. For if we show the love amongst us, then that love will certainly carry out into our workplace, into the world, throughout our families, our friends, relationships. Again, Lord, we just went through the Thanksgiving uh, season this past week. Many, Lord, uh, it may have not felt like it was the same as last year. We have lost loved ones maybe close friends, maybe others are in the hospital. It may have been a struggle uh, for many, Lord, but yet it says you are with us and that we can be lifted up. Even in our tears, we can be filled with joy from the spirit within us. The moment we were saved, that spirit came down upon us and it's within us, Lord. That's why the world cannot understand they can read hundreds of books. They can go to seminary. They can do all that if they're not saved, Lord. If they don't have the faith in you, then it's dead faith. They can't understand it. The Lord says it's so simple that even these children, these young children, can understand it. But once we do have take on that, once we do believe and the Holy Spirit dwells us, we begin to be transformed, transformed by your word, and uh, the Holy Spirit works in us, and that's where the wisdom of through the Lord comes from. And again, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the pastors within this church, for the wonderful uh, leadership that you have blessed us with, we just give thanks to you, Lord. We ask you to continue to watch over those that are working towards Christmas. Help them to not get caught up in the hustle and bustle of the holiday times, but to take that moment in the morning or evening before you lay down to keep focused on you, Lord. Read the scriptures. Take a passage and put it in our minds as we walk throughout the day and pray. We can pray at any moment, any time during the day. And not only does it uh, build us up, but it, it humbles us, Lord, from that gift that you have given us. We need to uh, take away all the pride. Nothing I can do can uh, save anybody. It's all in you, Lord. 
you ask us to just tell them of your word, tell them of you, and Lord, you'll do the saving at your time. Uh, and we're not to be arrogant, not to be argumental or anything with others. We're just to stay at peace, let the word work through us to others, calm our hearts, and Lord, just uh, know that the gift that's within us is uh, to shine throughout the world. And when we're down, when we don't feel like sharing, that's where another brother or sister comes along beside us, put their hand on the shoulder, and just show the love, pray with them, find an act of Bible study or just a coffee time to share with each other. That does so much for the our souls. It just lifts us up through the Holy Spirit, gives us that strength that all of us need. We can repent of our sins. We can go to the Lord when we know we have failed, but yet we aren't don't go into deep depression because we know those sins have been forgiven. The Lord paid those pr that price on the cross once and for all. Each and every sin from past to future is already forgiven. And the more we worship you, the more that transforms us into being more like you. One day we will be sinless. One day we will be, this flesh will no longer sin. This flesh will be with you in eternity. We'll be there in the spirit with new bodies. In the meantime, we're to grow. We're to repent of our sins each day and to give glory and honor to you. I ask you to be with pastor tonight as he delivers a message and continue to be with those that are here as we Listen, help us to take that home with us and to work tomorrow or to whatever we may be doing. And Lord, we just give thanks. Be with those that are in the hospital, as I said, those that are ill. Comfort them, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come humbly before you tonight, thanking you for who you are. Lord, we just look at your creation and see the greatness. We look at the heavens and declare your glory. Lord, we just it's, we thank you again that you sent your son because you love us. And if we, we look at our own lives and see how insignificant we are in the world or in the universe, we're no more than a grain of sand, but yet you sent your son because you love us to die for us. How can we help but not love you for that and praise you for that? And we pray that we would do that. So many times we forget that. We pray that you'd keep that foremost in our minds. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the influence it has on the people in the church, the members and those attending and in the community. We pray that your light would shine through us. We pray that we as members and 
attendees of this church as we go home that we would be a light in our community. We pray that people would see you and how we, how we talk and how we act and how we just carry on everyday life. Again, that you'd be honored and praised. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, we thank you for our pastors. We thank you of their desire to serve you and to teach us your word. And we, we thank you so much for that and what it means to us as a church. We pray that you would protect them from the evils of this world. There's, there's no better way that Satan would want to attack the church than attack our pastors and divide the church. So we pray that you'd just surround them with your love and just build a wall around them and protecting them and their families. We, we pray for all those in, in the church who are going through trials. There are so many different types of trials that we go through, whether it be loss of a loved one or whether it be financial whether it be relationships but through those trials lord you're there you're there with us you're beside us you are teaching us you are growing us and we pray that we would understand that pray that we'd understand your promises that you promise to have a plan for us to prosper us not to harm us but to give us a hope and a future and help us realize that that future is not here on this earth but in heaven with you you promise that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, called according to his purpose. And we pray that we would, those of us going through trials, we'd understand that and just lean on you, that you would give us that hope and that faith and that joy that you were told us to be thankful in our, in our trials, in every circumstance. And we can do that as Christians, that the outside world doesn't understand the peace that comes from that and the inner joy that comes from that. So we, th we thank you for that. We thank you for those promises. We, we pray for our young people, Lord. We're, we're so thankful for the numbers that we have. We pray that you continue to grow that number. We thank you for the leaders. And we pray that even tonight as they're downstairs or back in the back with Lloyd and Sue, that you would open hearts to your word. We pray for our country, Father. Our country is so divided. You know, we, we need a revival. That only comes from you, and it might it starts with us individuals as a church. We, we should start in our own neighborhoods. But we know at the end times, the Bible tells about the world being the way it is. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for a revival, pray for hope, pray for peace in the, in the Ukraine, pray for our president and our other leaders. So we pray for them that they would turn to you for wisdom and use that wisdom to to guide this country. We ask you to be with those who are shut-ins, pray that they might have peace and that they would know your strength and know your presence there. We pray for those on our prayer list who are battling cancer. So many people going through that and it's a terrible disease. But again, Lord, help them to realize your peace, your strength and your presence going through those trials. We thank you for the praises on our prayer list. We pray for those in the military. We pray that you'd be with them and their families, especially at this holiday season uh, where they're away from home and uh, the anxiety of the families who are, have loved ones maybe in dangerous places. We pray that you'd be with them. Again, Lord, you can bring peace to their hearts. Uh, again, we pray for peace in the, in the Ukraine. We pray for the persecuted Christians around the world. We and our prayer is that we would have that type of faith that that persecution came here to us. We're so fortunate to live in this country without the persecution that 
of losing our homes, losing our lives even, of losing our families and our jobs. Lord, I pray that our faith would be that strong. And if you, as you look at some of those in refugee camps that are Christians, you see the smile on their face, the smile in their eyes. That's because they really know you as their Savior, and they really trust you and have that strong faith. And our prayer is here that our faith would be that strong. We just thank you again that we can be here tonight. We can come here in freedom and just worship you as we please. And we pray that you'd be with the pastor as he brings the message, that you'd open our hearts and that we would not just have open hearts here tonight, but all week long that we would take what we learn here and apply it to our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 11. <clears throat> Ezekiel 11. Our last time together, we recognized the vision that Ezekiel had concerning the glory of God departing from the temple in Jerusalem. And the visions that Ezekiel had, he saw the idolatry and the abominations taking place at the temple. And obviously, God could not dwell in the temple where such idolatry was taking place. And so, uh, Ezekiel has this vision of the glory of God departing first from the Holy of Holies to the threshold of the temple, then from the threshold of the temple to the east gate of the Temple Mount, and then from the east gate of the Temple Mount up to the Mount of Olives to the east of the city as the glory of the Lord departed from the temple and from the city of Jerusalem. As we looked at that, we kind of ran out of time, but I, I would like to kind of come back to that for just a moment and just ask the question, what's the equivalent in our day and age? We don't have the temple in Jerusalem like Israel did. What is the temple today? What is the temple of God today? All right. We're told, are we not, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that our bodies are the temple of God? And then what else? There's another thought in Scripture. The temple of God. Ephesians chapter 5. Or not chapter 5, chapter 4, excuse me. The church. The church is the temple of God. So let's think about that for a moment. Um, if I, as a believer, have idols in my heart, like the temple in Jerusalem, they were committing idolatry, um, I'm not going to lose the Holy Spirit. We have that promise in Scripture. The Holy Spirit indwells us as believers, and the Holy Spirit will not be taken from us. But what will be taken from us? His blessing. His blessing. We'll still have the Holy Spirit, but, but we're not going to have uh, His blessing upon our lives. Uh, he will depart in that sense. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. 
And in essence, if we grieve the Holy Spirit and then we quench the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's still there, but it's as if he has departed and we will not have his blessing in our lives. We'll not be bearing his fruit in our lives. And then what about the church? What if uh, within the church there's a lot of idolatry within the church? What are we told in Revelation chapter 2? God said that there'd be something taken from the church in Ephesus. What was that? The lampstand. He said, you've left your first love. What's that mean? Well, it means they probably had some idols in their heart. They weren't loving God like they should have been. They were putting some other things maybe before God and loving those things more than God. And God said, if you don't straighten that out, I will remove your lampstand. In that sense, it is kind of the idea of the glory of God. You know, the glory of God is his, his, his unapproachable light that comes from him because of his holiness. And so uh, removing the lampstand, that's all we are as a church. We are, we are his lampstand shining forth his glory. But if we have idols in our heart, He's going to remove that lampstand. He's going to remove his glory. We'll no longer be his church is really what it amounts to. We'll no longer be his church. So there is that same sense today that, that the glory of the Lord would depart his church if we follow the example of Israel and Judah with our idolatry and our abominations. So I think there is a, a, a parallel that we need to consider and, and look at. Uh, Ichabod is the word in the Hebrew meaning the glory has departed. And there's churches all across America that in essence have Ichabod written over their door. The glory of the Lord has departed because they have left their first love. And so we need to be sure that that's not true in our church. It's not true in our individual lives as we consider what happened in, in Judah. Any questions or comments about that? I didn't want to leave that, that thought of the, the vision of Ezekiel with the glory of God departing without uh, considering that, that thought, uh, making it very personal and very prevalent for today. Um, as we looked at the glory of the Lord departing, we kind of skipped over chapter 11, verses 14 through 21. Um, kind of went from the glory of the Lord uh, departing to the threshold of the temple and then to the, the east gate. And, and then we have this almost a parenthesis, verses 14 through 21, and then you come to 22 through 25, and that's the glory of the Lord departing to the, to the Mount of Olives. But you have this, this parenthesis, verses 14 through, through 21, and I, I want to take a look at that here this evening quickly. In verse 13, the end of verse 13, Ezekiel asks a question. As he's seen the, these visions of judgment and the glory departing, and, and he raises the question, last part of verse 13, Ah, Lord God, will you make a full end of the remnant of Israel? In other words, God, are you going to destroy Israel completely? Well, verses 14 through 21 answer, answers that question. Notice it. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, 
son of man, your brethren, even your brethren, the men of your kindred, and all the house of Israel holy, are they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get you far from the Lord, unto us is this land given in possession. Just stop there. God say unto to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, your real brothers, your real kinsmen, they're the ones that are in captivity with you there at the river Chebar. He says, they're, they're your brothers. Remember, Ezekiel was a priest. And he would have considered the, the priest his brothers, his family. That was the family of Aaron. And, uh, and that, they were his brothers. They were his kinsmen. And yet in the visions that he had, he saw the priest who were committing the idolatry. They were no longer worshiping Jehovah. And so now God is saying to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, those priests, they're not really your brothers. They're committing idolatry. They, they're committing these abominations. Your brothers are the ones that you are in captivity with right now in Babylon. They're your brothers. And he says, the ones in Jerusalem, the priest, and others that are in Jerusalem, they're looking at you who have been taken captive, and they're saying, you're in the wrong. That's why you've been taken captive. We are in the right because we're still in Jerusalem, and we will possess this land. That's what they were saying. God's going to make it clear that's not true. Uh, remember, there were these uh, uh, three different deportations. 605, 597, and then finally 586 when the temple was destroyed. Ezekiel was taken in the deportation of 597 B.C. And those left in Jerusalem for those next 11 years, they were looking at the ones who had been taken captive, and they were saying, you were taken captive because you are the sinners. You're the ones in the wrong. We are still in possession of the land, and we will continue to possess the land. But God's saying, the ones in Jerusalem saying that are not your brothers, Ezekiel. The ones that are in captivity with you are your brothers. And then he says, therefore say, thus says the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the nations, and although I have scattered them among the countries, Yet will I be to them a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. He says, you who have been taken captive, Ezekiel, I will be a sanctuary for you in your country where you are captive. In essence, he's saying, you don't need the temple, Ezekiel. I will be your sanctuary right where you're at in your captivity. Turn to me and I will be your sanctuary. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel, and they shall come there, and they shall take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. So the promise, I will bring you back from captivity, and as you come back from captivity, from where you've been scattered, you will come back to the land, you will possess the land that I promised to you, and you will rid the land of the detestable and abominable things that have been taking place. And so there is this remnant that will return to the Lord. They will return to the land, and they will cast out the idolatry in the land. 
Verse 19, now give them one heart, and I'll put a new spirit within you. Now take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. What does that sound like to you, those verses 19 and 20? Does that ring any bells with you? What, what's that sound like? Okay. Sounds like the Holy Spirit within us. That's, that's true. And what? I'm trying to. Pardon? Okay, we'll have the Holy Spirit within us. But uh, I'm trying to. Doesn't that sound like what we read in Jeremiah chapter 31? with reference to the new covenant and what we read also in Ezekiel chapter 36 with reference to the new covenant he's, he's referring here to the new covenant and he's going beyond now we know that this Babylonian captivity lasted for 70 years and they did go back to the land and there was a remnant that turned back to the Lord and they did go back to the land and, and we have uh, Nehemiah building the walls of Jerusalem we have uh, um, Jerubbabel building the, rebuilding the temple. We have Ezra leading in, in some of that. We have this remnant going back, but Ezekiel goes beyond the 70 years and the return then, and he looks to the future. He's looking into the new covenant. He's looking here into what we would refer to as the millennium when Israel will possess the land. And he will put a new heart within them and a new spirit and they'll be my, they'll be my people and I'll be their God. Um, let me just read. You don't need to turn to it, but in <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 31 and just notice the similarity. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was in a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. I will write in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. Talks about that same idea, a new spirit, a new heart. Uh, I'll be their God, they'll be my people. Up in Ezekiel chapter 36, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my ordinances and do them and you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers and you shall be my people and I'll be your God. So these are references to the new covenant, promises yet future. And so Ezekiel's making reference here. And so there's kind of this this double fulfillment if you will yes they returned to the land after 70 years in babylon but this promise of a new heart and a new covenant that's yet future for israel now we as the church are enjoying the benefits of that new covenant because of our relationship with christ um, the new covenant itself was given to israel and will be fulfilled in israel 
Israel will be given that new heart and that new spirit, and they'll enter into the millennium. But we are enjoying the benefits of that new covenant today as the church because of our relationship with Christ. And he has given us his spirit, and he's given us new life. We just sang tonight um, with reference to Christ lives in me. He's given us a new life. He's given us a new heart. He is our God. We are his people. And we enjoy that new covenant tonight. Verse 21. But as for them whose heart walks after the heart of their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own heads, says the Lord God. So in answer to Ezekiel's question, are, are you going to destroy Israel? And God says, no, there will be a remnant. I am going to bring judgment And Israel, Judah, will be judged, but I will spare a remnant. I'll spare a remnant through this this 70-year Babylonian captivity. I will spare a remnant yet in the future as we enter into that millennial kingdom. But you will have always a remnant in Israel. We, the church, are not the remnant. We're not the remnant. Some would have us believe that, that we're the remnant. We're not the remnant. We're not Israel. We enjoy the benefits of this new covenant because of our relationship with Christ. Christ himself being a Jew, we are his bride. So because of our relationship as his bride, we enjoy the benefits of that new covenant. But the new covenant is not fulfilled in the church. It's fulfilled in Israel. We simply enjoy the benefits of it. Do you have any questions or comments? That makes sense. Yeah, Mike. All right, Mike, reading from Romans 11, and just the reminder that, that um, God will, uh, or Israel will be restored to, to their God. And uh, we as the church, we are enjoying some of those benefits uh, uh, now, but uh, that falling, as it says here in Romans 11, that falling away of Israel has been to our benefit as God has turned to his church, but he'll turn back to Israel. And Israel turned back to their God. And that covenant mentioned in Romans 11 will be fulfilled in Israel. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Steve is pointing out that the, 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 there was no humility, no humility on the part of those who were left in Jerusalem. And they were looking at those who were taken captive and saying, uh, you're, you're the sinners, you're in the wrong. We're still in Jerusalem, we're in the right, we're going to possess the land. When in reality they should have been recognizing there, there's already been two deportations, it should have been a warning to them. And yet they are looking at it as, in pride, we are right, they're wrong. And there were many in, in the captivity that did turn back to, to the Lord. I mean, in, in some of those that were taken captive, Ezekiel, Daniel, they were the righteous ones that were taken captive. God was going to use it in the, the lives of, of those individuals to draw them closer to himself. And, uh, and others in the captivity, uh, likewise, uh, you, you had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, God was, they, they, they were still part of the judgment that was taking place. In other words, they, they experienced that judgment, but they themselves were staying true to the Lord, and God blessed them for it. He was their sanctuary in their captivity. The temple eventually was destroyed, but they still had a sanctuary even in their captivity, and that sanctuary was the Lord. We will go no further tonight. Good stopping place. We'll get into chapter 12 next week. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you so much that you indeed are our sanctuary. And you are everywhere. We don't have a specific uh, temple to go to. You are our sanctuary wherever we are. We can turn to you. We can find refuge in you. I pray, Father, that as an individual, as a church, that we would not have idols of the heart, that we would not grieve the Spirit, that we would not quench the Spirit, as a church, that we would not lose our lampstand because of idolatry. And I pray, Father, that we would keep our eyes always upon you, humble before you, recognizing that it is very easy, as Steve has pointed out, to be lifted up with that pride and, and look at others and, and lift ourselves up above them. And Father, we are simply your humble servants. We desire to serve you faithfully. Give us that faith. Increase our faith. Help our unbelief so that we might indeed walk with you each day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.